0: Hi friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week 7 of our series, That You May Believe, which is a journey through the Gospel of John. This week, our journey takes us to the 8th chapter, where the Pharisees try to trap Jesus by questioning him about a woman caught in the act of adultery. You may have noticed that we are not preaching from chapter 7 in the series. However, we still encourage you to read it, and therefore, you can find chapter 7 in the On Your Own tab of our app, as well as our series page on our website, ccgf.org. Now, here is the Rev. Dr. John Guest with this week's message. Thanks for listening. Well, it is tough to come out of that beautiful worship into uh, a sordid scene of a woman being dragged in front of Jesus and uh, caught in the act of adultery. What was really going on here is that they were trying to trap Jesus. You've got to get that at the heart of this picture. We're in a series that you may believe, and that you, one by one, have a decision to make in relationship to this Jesus. The sordidness of the scene had several components to it. Like the hypocrisy of the religious leaders who bring this woman. They want to get rid of Jesus. It's not about the woman. But they use her and her shame to try and get at Jesus. The idea of stoning a woman caught in adultery or an adulteress comes right out of the old testament law but that had been relaxed as a judgment but these hypocritical religious leaders who'd done the relaxing now want to trap jesus by bringing this woman in front of him and presumably finding fault with him in how he responds to that situation That's what's going on. I don't know if you've ever had anybody try to bring you down. But throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the religious leadership stalk Jesus. They're trying to find some way to get rid of him, to fault him, to judge him, because they hate him. The woman caught in adultery really was a sinner. This needs to be said, especially today where sexual sin is minimized. Sex is a holy gift from God. And that's another whole amazing issue to be addressed in our day and age, where people live together out of wedlock, whether it's pornography that they watch, the kind of movies they see, the stuff they have on their iPhone or pad, what they fill their minds with. Sex has become an idol in our society. I was sorry to hear Kate Blanchett, who's a phenomenal actress, say this week, in a disgusting way, at least she was quoted this week, that her moral compass Is in her vagina. Oh that it were. Oh that there was some sense of moral compass. About sex. You've got older people living together. For whatever reason. Not marrying. And sex is just being used in our society. As some kind of addictive drug. Without fault. It's the one thing that in, amongst maybe a few others you're not allowed to judge anyone for. So sexual sin is real sin. And she was caught in sexual sin. What's obvious is that there were two people committing adultery. But for some reason or other the religious leadership, these guys had somehow let the guy off. There should have been two people standing there. But it was the woman they drag in. And the scene is quite remarkable because Jesus, who's the focus of it all, not the woman, not even the religious leadership, Jesus when they start bringing this little mini trial of theirs to him, starts writing with his finger in in the dust on the ground. And then he says, let him who is without sin throw the first stone. You can start the stoning. From the oldest to the youngest, the accusers walk away one at a time. What do you think Jesus was writing on the ground? Do you think he was doodling? Sort of, you know, sets the question, sets the stage, and then it's just sort of like doodling? Like you, listening to your math teacher? Drawing pictures on down the side of your page? Do you think that's what he was doing? Nobody knows what he was doing. But it has been speculated that what he really was doing was writing out the Ten Commandments. So they're looking at him, write the Ten Commandments, and by the time he gets to number ten, they're all gone. So he asks the woman, do you have any accuser? Where are they? None, sir. And then in a very unusual declaration, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He calls it for what it is, sin. And in withdrawing condemnation, says, go and sin no more. But in saying I don't con- condemn you, Jesus was extending to her forgiveness. And I'll tell you why he could do that. Number one, because he had power on earth to forgive sins. That was another whole discussion in another scene where he heals a man But in healing the man, he says to him, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, the religious leadership were on their feet. How can you say, you forgive, only God can forgive. And said, Jesus, that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. I say to you, here's the sick man here, get up and walk. And he gets up and walks. Jesus has asked the question, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Well, both were impossible as far as the religious leaders were concerned. Jesus could do both. Heal and forgive. And here he has power to release this woman. As he does the paralytic that he healed... Because he is the one, listen very carefully, and he knows he is the one who's going to have to die on the cross for those sins. It's not just that he wipes the slate clean. He is going to be the one who takes whatever the sin is, the filth and rottenness of our humanity on himself, so that he can then extend... Forgiveness. So, with this woman, he is going to go to the cross on her behalf. So, he extends the lifting of the guilt and the condemnation, sets her free to go and sin no more. I want to spend the balance of our time here talking about that forgiveness and what forgiveness is, what she experienced, the woman caught in adultery. There are any number of ideas that express this, and there are three words in particular in the New Testament which talk about forgiveness. The first is the word, in Greek, aphiemi. In Matthew's Gospel and the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer as the way to pray, and he comes to the phrase, forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, the word there is aphiemi. And that word literally means... To release or let go. In other words, not to hold on to, grasp, cling to, whatever it is you could hold against someone, but to release it and let it go. I've run into people over the years of ministry who for them that kind of forgiveness is near impossible. I've had people say to me I can never ever forgive whomever. Can never forgive. I can see the people in my mind. I can hear them saying it because it's so such a killer. Because forgiveness is a great gift. Unforgiveness is death. To hold on to to clasp to yourself a killer And we've all been hurt one of the things that's absolutely true here this morning is that we need both forgiveness and to forgive and we love it when we're released from, set free from forgiven that's the implication of the Lord's prayer Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We love you to forgive us. Give us the grace to forgive others as we've been forgiven. Let it go. Release them. Release that pain, that gripping hold you have on the hurt that you've endured. And it's real. Nobody's minimizing it. A number of years ago, when our now 30-year-old daughter, this is how many years ago, was like maybe three or four, she was home, uh, was not going to school yet, and we were having our floors sanded. We have wooden floors on our ground floor. So the guys coming to do the sanding came early in the morning and one of them had a basket about this wide about this deep and this deep and I knew what was in that basket I'd seen those baskets before it's full of pigeons And I knew what he was going to do. I've seen that before. So I ran in and got our animal-loving little girl and said, come on, you've got to come out and see this. Got her out of the bedroom, got her out into the front garden because I knew this man was going to take the lid off that basket, lift it up and let those pigeons go. And they'd make their way back to their roost, homing pigeons. And this guy had brought them. He was into pigeons. They'd be home when he got home. They'd be home way before he got home. Some of you are carrying in your lives. Basket full of pigeons. You got stuff. Memories upon memory that you won't let go, give up on, and every time you think you're stirred with hate and bitterness, resentment. I use this as an illustration a number of years ago about the need for forgiveness to extend it. One man had been brought wonderfully to that meeting that evening it was down on Hilton Head Island. A guy had driven this man up from Charleston South Carolina to Hilton Head South Carolina to hear me speak. He was contemplating suicide. And when he heard that Description of forgiveness and something that he needed to extend. As he said to my friend, driving back down to Charleston that evening, he said, I let all the pigeons go. Actually invited Jesus into his life. But he said, I've let the pigeons go. Afiyemi, let it go. The next word is apoluo. And it's connected to another word which is charismai. I'm using Greek words. And you can even hear in the word charismai charis, which is grace. Being gracious. In Greek, the word charis is where we get grace. And what it literally means is to absorb the debt. So, for instance, Jesus told a parable about two men who owed money. One owed an immense amount, and the other owed a small amount. The guy who owed the immense amount when he's in front of the man who's demanding that he pay back what he owes pleads, pleads with him for charisma, forgiveness of the debt. He actually says, I will pay you back but everybody knew in that scene there is no way he's going to get to pay that debt back. It was so immense. And the, the man who was indebted let the debtor go. Let me ask you, the one who let the, 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 one who let the debtor go, what did he do? When he forgave him the debt, to use the language, what did he do? He absorbed the debt. It became his loss. He let him go. Charisma carries that concept with us. In other words, you don't get your own back. You don't take it out on them. You don't look for retribution. You just take the hit. Absorb the hurt. That's a miraculous transaction that only God can pull off. But that's another concept of forgiveness. To absorb that debt. I remember a guy coming into my office years ago. And he said, do you remember me? I said, no, I, I, I can't say that I do. He said, well, I was in a hospital ward when you came in and you prayed for somebody at this bed. I was in the next bed. And after I had heard you pray for this person, I asked you to come and pray for me. He said, I've been in a motorcycle wreck. I was really messed up. I've been drinking and driving my motorcycle. And you prayed for me. I looked at him, I still didn't remember him. He didn't look like anybody I knew. And he said, what I want to do, he said, because I'm in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous now, and I want you to hear my repentant spirit, those weren't his words, but that's what he was expressing, all the things that I've ever done wrong, I'm going to tell you about. Because that's what I have to do in AA. I've got to tell you all this stuff I've done wrong where I can to make amends. Well, he had like four or five yellow big sheets of paper. And if you need a bath after hearing that mess, which I did, it was unbelievable. He went right down page after page of this stuff. When he was done, I took his sheets of paper and and with them himself I took him and we went into the church itself to the Lord's table the altar and I took with me a hand that sat like this, a wooden carved hand that had a nail in it that another AA guy had given to me And had written on the underside of it, is there any greater sign of love? This sat on my desk. I took that with me and we went into the church, just the two of us, and I put that hand on the Lord's table and I took his stuff, folded up those pieces of paper and punched it over the nail on that hand and then we both knelt down and I'm saying to him everything you have ever done was taken by Jesus on the cross and forgiven he took it it's actually a scripture Colossians chapter 2 And verse 14, which expresses this so perfectly, let me read it to you. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away Nailing it to the cross. That forgiveness, Jesus extends to us as he did to that woman because he took it on himself. He absorbed the debt. We are the people who owe the massive amount to God who would forgive us. Are we going to hold that little pittance of aggravation that somebody, in comparison to all that we've been forgiven, we might demand retribution for? Someone else who's hurt us, sinned against us? Last picture I want to take you to is kind of sums it all up. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, you've got these words. It says, See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let me read that again. See to it that no one misses the grace, the charis of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That root of bitterness and resentment which we cannot let go but hold on to defiles us. Someone has said that that kind of hate and anger and resentment, bitterness, we feel is a poison that we can drink, hoping it's going to kill someone else. And we're the people who are the losers. So that kind of forgiveness, God has extended to us in Jesus are we not willing to extend it to others or are we going to let that root of bitterness, which grows up like a huge plant tree and defiles anybody who comes within breathing space of it? Bitterness ruins marriages, parent-child relationships, businesses, friendships, Churches, individual lives, that root of bitterness contaminates others. I don't have time even to begin to describe the people whose lives I have seen wreck other lives because of the bitterness that controls their own. So to deal with it, Listen to this. I mean to deal. This man sent me this note when his mother died. He said, I wasn't ready for the call that told me you were gone. As if he were writing this to his mother. I wasn't ready to never see you here again. I wasn't ready to never hear your voice again. I wasn't ready to never to be able to say, I love you again. I wasn't ready for the void that came into my life. I wasn't ready to look at your picture and know that you were no longer here. I wasn't ready to visit all those places we had been and know you'd never be there again. I wasn't ready for the overwhelming loss of you. To know I can no longer call or write or visit you. I wasn't ready for you to go. There was still so much to say. So much that should have been said. But never was. Some of you have got stuff you need to go from this church and get dealt with today. whether it's a phone call or somebody you need to go see and speak to. Don't hang on to it. I don't know if you know the name Bear Bryant, the nickname Bear and then Bryant. He's He is a dead man, but was the legendary coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Legendary. I mean, I as a... An Englishman coming to this country soon found out about Bear Bryant years ago. Well, AT&T had rounded him up to do a Mother's Day advertisement. And his line was simply this. As he's being televised, this is for television. Bear Bryant was to simply say, call your mother. Call your mother. In other words, ahead of Mother's Day, Bear Bryant is telling everybody, go call your mother. And he was kind of, whatever the words were, it was really wooden. It, he, he, I'm lousy in front of a camera, I have to tell you. And I understand, he, he, like it wouldn't come. And in the end, in frustration, because they went take after take after take, in the end he said this, you call your mother, you hear? I wish I could call mine. That one took. It was aired. And within days, TV station gets this call. Who made that ad? They send them to the agency, the ad agency. Guy calls up the ad agency. Who made that ad? They send it to the guy who was responsible for that account, AT&T, to his desk. Who did this? The guy says, well, I did. He said, thank you. When I saw that ad, I called my mother. I hadn't spoken to her for 12 years. And the guy said, "What?" Well, you know, it shook him. He thought he was going to get reamed out. Now he's being told, complimented, thanked. And then he said, the guy at the other end, you don't understand. My mother died the next day. Whew. Go deal with what you have to deal with. Do not say next year, next month, tomorrow. Tomorrow. You can deal with it today. Do it today. You want forgiveness today? You can get it today from Jesus. You're going to extend forgiveness? Go get it done. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for taking upon yourself all our sin. Thank you for making it possible for us to walk out of here free and clean from all that we have done wrong. Standing guilty with the woman You do not condemn us, but turn us free to go, free from that condemnation, forgiven to go and sin no more. And just as you have forgiven us this massive indebtedness, grant to us, Lord Jesus, to let go of, to release, to take the hit that we can finally forgive. set us free from the bitterness the killing bitterness that's rooted within us give us the grace this day Lord Jesus to forgive as we have been forgiven and we pray this because of you Lord Jesus Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.